Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to China Takes Over the World. This is Ying Ma. We are delighted to welcome to the show Mr. Bruce Linghu, the Director General of the Taipei Economic and Cultural Office in Los Angeles, and former Ambassador of the Republic of China to the Marshall Islands. Mr. Ambassador, a big welcome to you.、Uh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much for joining us.、Uh, it's、uh, great to have you on the show today.、Um, protesters of what became known as the Sunflower Movement in Taiwan finally exited the Taiwanese legislature last week, and they had been occupying the building for more than three weeks to derail the passage of a services trade agreement between Taiwan and mainland China. Obviously, this is something that's been covered quite a bit in the press, and among other things, the protesters were concerned about potential encroachment by China in Taiwan's democracy and the. Possibility of being subsumed by the much larger mainland economy.、Um, why do you think the people of Taiwan remain so wary of mainland China, despite the fact that cross-straits、um, tensions have significantly decreased and and much more robust economic ties and warmer political relations have materialized、uh, since President Ma Ying-jeou came to office in 2008?、Uh, yes. Uh The、uh, cross-strait relations has been、uh, much eased since President Ma took office in 2008.、Uh, as you understand, that、uh, actually there have been 10, 11 uh, uh, dialogues between the two sides, and、uh, 21 agreements has been signed.、Uh, also, that right now、uh, every day there may be、uh, 118 fly- direct flights between.、Uh, Taiwan and mainland China cities, right, and that's and, a new development. Yeah, yeah new development、uh, under the Ma administration. The, the, the visitors from mainland to、uh, Taiwan from two hundred ninety thousand to a year to about now、uh, close to three million, and the、uh, the economic and cultural、uh, exchanges has been uh, uh, very uh, extensive, very uh, uh, very big volume. So there's all kinds of uh, uh, you know.、Um, Uh, relations、uh, development between the two sides. However, you also understand that the sixteen、uh, hundred、uh, missiles are still aiming at Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> so the、uh, the the PRC has never、uh, renounced the use of force actually against Taiwan. Of course,、uh, you know that's the、um, the reason that why cross strait relations has been so important. So、uh, I think the government has been working very hard uh, on uh, the rapprochement between the two sides. In the meantime, that also we uh, uh, enhance our relations with uh, our uh, other important uh, countries, uh, uh, though no diplomatic ties, but still very important allies,、uh, such as the、uh, United States. But maybe uh, Japan uh, and other neighboring countries,、uh, South Korea or、uh, Southeast Asian countries, also、uh, have a great concern over the stability and peace in the region.、Uh, you talk about the uh, uh, the sunflower、uh, movement students. I think they. Uh, some of the students actually uh, may be politically uh, 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 biased.、Uh, some of the students, or most of the students, maybe they don't know exactly the、uh, the substance of the、uh, the trade and services agreement. And、uh, some of the students worry about the、uh, transparency of the、uh, legislation. Uh, and, right,、know. the way that it was.、Um, yeah, yeah. There's different reasons for for behind the student movement uh, uh, by taking over the、uh, legislative run.、Uh, you know, the the uh, general uh, feeling is that、uh, the Taiwan, the Republic of China, has been a, a full-fledged democracy. So everybody has the right to、uh, freely express themselves 
about uh, things, but the the day demonstration or uh, expression uh, should be conducted uh, uh, according to the uh, law and regulations. Well, the main in, in, on the mainland, there is a state newspaper. Certainly, at least one very prominent one, the Global Times, that referred to the protests as a shame on democracy. Do you what What are your views um, of those comments? Uh, yeah, the people on uh, you know are divided on this, uh, but still, we believe that no uh, a, full, a real recognized democracy in the world can you know uh, encourage. Or tolerate the violation of laws uh, because uh, uh, democracy is uh, very much supported by law and order. And I think you know this. Uh, however, uh, the the protest uh, demonstration uh, still uh, uh, largely or a great uh, extent is a peaceful uh, means, and uh, the government and the law enforcement uh, has been very cautious, uh, very carefully uh, handling the situation. So. Uh, nothing uh, really like uh, any tragic event has happened, like uh, uh, some other uh, uh, countries, you know. But uh, still, so certainly there was the, no yeah, no massacre the, like the Tiananmen yes, massacre yes, that ab- but, <laughs> occurred on June fourth, nineteen eighty nine. Importantly, the, uh, there's already some consensus, uh, you know, uh, uh, solution. You know, it's back to the normal uh, parliamentary procedures about the legislation, about the agreement. And, and what to do else. in the future when yeah. these agreements come right. up. Right. But even before the students seized Taiwan's parliament, critics have um, complained that cross-states economic cooperation has led to a hollowing out of Taiwan's economy. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think Taiwan risks being overly dependent on the mainland Chinese economy? Uh, you know, this. Uh, uh, the, the fact is that the... Uh, Right now, uh, maybe Taiwan may be one of the largest uh, foreign direct investor in the mainland China. So actually, the Taiwan business uh, companies, uh, uh, Taiwan uh, uh, talents, has been contributing to the uh, the growth of economy uh, trade in the mainland China. But uh, also, we have to uh, recognize that uh, mainland China has become uh, number one uh, overseas market for for our international trade. So this is uh, uh, why the government uh, is trying so hard to diversify uh, our, uh, you know, overseas markets by uh, trying to uh, uh, arrange bilateral agreements like uh, uh, ECA uh, with uh, New Zealand and a step with uh, Singapore and some investment uh, agreement with Japan. And uh, we uh, already announced that uh, we want to be a part of the TPP and the RCEP, you know, both the the regional economic and trade integration or bilateral or multilateral free trade agreement has been very important for Taiwan's economy economy so that we don't uh, need to uh, depend on uh, too much on on one market, on, on one country, you know, so... Uh, so, so you guys do yeah. believe? Obviously, President Ma's government believes believes in strengthening economic ties with the mainland, and that has occurred under his administration. But, Mr. Ambassador, you're saying that that is also a crucial part of inking the, better economic relations with other neighbors in the Asia Pacific region. Right. Am I right? You know, while, you know, we cannot ignore the the biggest uh, uh, basket, right? You know, and uh, this has been years that. Uh, um, Actually, even uh, uh, during DDP uh, administration, 
mainland China market has been uh, the number one for Taiwan. And, do, do, you, uh, do you think President Ma has moved Taiwan closer to China at a speed that is faster than what the Taiwanese public is comfortable with? Uh, no, I think you know uh, President Ma has been, and the administration has been very responsibly conduct the uh, cross trade uh, uh, matters. You know, actually, we insist on uh, ROC's uh, dignity and the sovereignty uh, while dealing with uh, the other side. You know, it's on the mutual uh, beneficial basis and the mutual respect basis. You know, that at least that's how uh, we try to uh, reach. You know, this kind of uh, cross trade uh, rapprochement. And uh, also the, um, uh, you know, it's on the principles that we take care of the, the easy matters first, like economic trade and cultural exchanges. You know, that's no problem, the tourism, you know. But then the political issues, military issues, diplomatic issues, that's very difficult because it's involved a sovereignty. And uh, uh, so the, the government has been conducting the cross-trades uh, uh, development actually very cautiously, very responsibly. You know. Well, uh, Chinese President Xi Jinping said mm-hmm. last October that a political solution to the question of Taiwan's sovereignty mm-hmm. cannot mm-hmm. be postponed indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, given such rhetoric from Beijing, mm-hmm. do you think that President Ma's government has sufficiently hedged its bets in its efforts to foster closer relations with Beijing? The, uh, yeah, there uh, there are uh, talk about that maybe Beijing will be impatient or, you know, this uh, political talk cannot be postponed indefinitely. You know, we understand that uh, there may be a need to uh, uh, extend into that uh, area, you know, like a political discussion or, but everything has to be, uh, you know, in a, in a um, yeah, natural uh, development order, you know, say, you know, the two sides uh, should get to know each other more, you know, by uh, incur- encouraging economic trade and cultural exchanges and the people-to-people uh, exchanges. And at the same time that uh, we have to understand, the Republic of China has been established in 1912. It's already celebrating 103rd anniversary. And the PRC was established in 1949. And they, you know, definitely a younger uh, uh, government. You know, this is uh, the, the consensus right now is the, the 1992 consensus. Uh, based on this, the two sides can uh, engage in, in dialogue and the more exchanges and discussions about, you know, matters concerned to both sides. Sure. And, yeah, so the, 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 the mainland side, maybe they emphasize more on the one China part, but uh, we emphasize also the different interpretations. We are this, this one China different interpretations. I think it's not only to the cross trades; it should be, uh, uh, you know, uh, applied to overseas uh, and also to international communities. We're speaking with Ambassador Bruce Linghu, Director General of the Taipei Economic and Cultural Office in Los Angeles. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Taiwan, like Beijing, claims about ninety percent of the South China Sea, as well as the. Uh, very much disputed Daoyus and Kaku Islands. Um, mm-hmm. And right. uh, China's neighbors have complained that China's territorial claims are overly expansive. Um, d- does Taipei agree? Or do you think China's neighbors are somewhat unreasonable in their pressure on China to, to pipe down about its territorial claims? I think uh, neighboring countries, uh, uh, North Asia or Southeast Asia, or even United States, they do have the uh, concern of the rising 
of power of uh, mainland China or PRC. Uh, but in terms of uh, territorial claims, you know, actually PRC's uh, claim uh, is similar to ROC Taiwan's claim uh, because they thought they their thinking is that they inherit from ROC Republic of China Taiwan. And ab- about the South China Sea, that uh, uh, we and East China Sea, the the Singaku, uh, the Japanese call Singaku, uh, we call it Diao Yu Tai. Yes. Mainland China call it the Diao Yu Dao. You know, but uh, we believe that ROC has very strong and very firm uh, sovereignty claims over the the islands in the South China Sea. And you know, like uh, this has been traditional. Uh, Chinese uh, uh, fishermen and Chinese uh, 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 navigation, they, they discover and uh, uh, name and use the islands like the Diao uh, Yutai also. And they, it's, it's way back in centuries, you know, beyond even Ming Dynasty. But uh, uh, in 19, uh, for the South China Sea in 1946, uh, ROC Navy, uh, after the Second World War, actually visited all the islands in the South China Sea and named all the islands and they recognize this uh, part of uh, uh, ROC uh, territory. And the uh, ROC government actually issued a map, you know, in 1947, and no one in the world complained or protested. So that's our, our strong uh, claim to uh, so, China. So given that China, um, mainland China, has inherited these, these China claims was not from... not established in 1947. Right, right. And so the Chinese government feels that it yeah, inherited those territorial right, claims from the, from the Republic of China. Yeah, but we, we control the biggest island, the Taiping Island, or uh, Ituyaba, you know, the foreigners call it. We uh, control we, the biggest island, Taiping Dao, and also the Dongsha and some other islands, you know, the other... Uh, countries or PRC, they also have uh, some control. About the uh, the the Diao Yutai Island, uh, the Singapore Island was uh, very very uh, clear that uh, 1885, 1885, uh, the Japanese wanted to merge it, wanted to, but they knew it was Chinese territory, and uh, uh, it was a part of Taiwan, and the part of Taiwan part of China in d- during that days, Qing Dynasty. But the 1895, you know, because of the uh, uh, first Sino-Japanese War, as a, a result of the defeat of uh, Chinese government, uh, Qing Dynasty government, so they they merge uh, Taiwan, Penghu, and uh, uh, also you know because Diao uh, Yutai uh, part of Taiwan, they merge it also, but they change the name of Diao uh, Yutai Islands to Singaku Islands without any public announcement to the international community. And uh, so that's 18, night, when 1945, Japanese surrender. But uh, before that, the Cairo Declaration in 1943, and all the allies agreed that the Japanese should return all the uh, territories stolen uh, from uh, uh, China to Republic China. I have emphasized to, back to Republic China. Not just say back to China, say it's back to Republic China. So well, that's, Mr. Ambassador, I'm sorry, yeah. we're, we've run out of time, right. but um, okay. but thank you very much yeah. for joining okay. us today. Uh, we've been speaking with Ambassador Bruce Linghu, Director General of the Taipei Economic and Cultural Office in Los Angeles. Uh, this is China Takes Over the World, and I am Ying Ma.
This is China Takes Over the World, and I am Ying Ma. In this segment, we discuss China's rise, America's reaction, and grand strategy.、Uh, Dr. Edward Ludvak, a senior associate at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, joins us. He is also the author of numerous books on strategy, including most recently "The Rise of China Versus the Logic of Strategy." Edward, welcome to the show. Thank you. You wrote recently in Strategica, an online national security magazine, that the Chinese government has prematurely awakened the world to quote its classically imperial territorial ambitions by demanding the cession of lands, reefs, rocks, and sea waters from India, Japan, Malaysia, the Philippines, and Vietnam. Unquote. In what ways are China's demands premature? Well. Everybody knows that China,、uh, China's economic growth, while slowing down, is still going to be faster than the average of the country that it is now challenging. Therefore, it would behoove the chi- Chinese, it would suit the Chinese to continue with their previous policy called peaceful rise. Shut up about islands and places. <laughs> ask for nothing, and simply continue growing. Grow, so growing growth, economically. <laughs> growth, there is the growth of influence, of power, and to the degree military power. And it's grossly premature to awaken these countries. So you think、and、they've abandoned this strategy or or this? They、uh, have. They have. They've yeah. abandoned a peaceful the、they've, idea of a peaceful rise. They've abandoned peaceful rise, which meant. Leave aside any territorial demands, and continue simply building up the Chinese economy and Chinese society. They've abandoned that, and opened all these old and new files of demands, asking from the, you know for territory on land, at sea, from all these different countries. And of course, these countries are alarmed, and of course, they are reacting by self-enforcement. You know, making themselves stronger by toughening up, by becoming much more hostile to China, and by coalescing among themselves and making alliances in twos and threes about specific things that make a difference, like the alliance that now enables the Vietnamese to acquire a submarine force. The Indians are providing the training because they happen to use the same Russian submarine. The Japanese provide economic aid, and voila, they have a submarine force. All of th- these reactions are encircling China. Well, but are, might your descriptions about China's actions over、um, be overstated? So, you know, China has had territorial disputes with its neighbors long before its economy became the second largest in the world. And yeah, and, it, and, and, and but, but let me let me if you if if I may, the Chinese seized disputed islands.、Um, Of the Paracels from Vietnam in 1974, they took control of Mischief Reef from the Philippines in 1995. They also have had disputed um, um,、uh, have had maritime disputes with the Japanese over the Daoyus and Kaku Islands for decades. So the world has known of China's territorial claims for a long, long time and has gladly welcomed China's economic rise. Oh yes, well, so,、uh, you're undoubtedly correct. There, there were some experts on international maritime law. There were some experts on India,、uh, India-China, who remembered that there were these claims. 
But these claims were not being loudly asserted. They were not sending ships there. Yes, Wait, but they, they killed seizure, a bunch of Vietnamese people. The seizure took place in 1974 in the context of the South Vietnam, North Vietnam conflict and all that. That was very sure. much an episode on its own. Sure. What and, about mischief? Uh, yes, you know, and there was another episode on its own that you didn't mention with the Vietnamese and so on. But these were isolated cases that came and went and were forgotten. What we now have is an insistent drumbeat. It is uh, shouting and demanding, sending troops across the Indo-Chinese demarcation line, and, of course, sending all these ships and the Senkakus and demanding this and so on. So, in other words, this is how you awaken uh, the reactions that have indeed been awakened. And, you know, this is no joke, because just three of the countries, uh, India, Japan, and Vietnam, together have more people than China, more gross domestic product than China, and arguably more technology than China. So that's without counting the others and without counting the United States that, of course, is the ally of Japan and which is becoming very much the ally of Vietnam as well and whose relations with India keep improving. So this is, but this is not unusual. This is very normal in history. The rising power, feeling its power, feeling its strength, sort of uh, falls into the fallacy of the first move. In well, other but words, does China have to? Itself, does you know? China have to somehow forego the exercise of any power in in the national security or military realm Unless just they want to, to to encircle themselves? So you're saying you're that even though power even though and you assert yourself. You are going to encircle yourself, obviously. So even though and their economy has grown tremendously and they've got money to invest in, in their military, you're saying that they should really just forego that opportunity because it makes its neighbors and the U.S. uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, look, this has happened before. The Chinese era is not an original or new era or peculiar. It's a very normal era. You become much richer, and therefore you start pushing your weight around without realizing that in strategy, strategy is governed by a logic of its own. It is a logic which is paradoxical. That is, when you become more powerful, if you don't manage your own rise to power very carefully, if you don't dilute it, dissolve it, uh, conceal it, and, and limit it, the reactions you evoke make you weaker than you were before. This was the, you know... The so Chinese you're saying that the Chinese are practicing bad strategy. The of the Germans in 1914. We are All speaking... the Germans had to do was to shut up, <laughs> and they would have been Europe's dominant power, as they indeed are now, that they do shut up. <laughs> and the U.S. is underwriting, this, in many ways, underwriting the security of Europe, right? We're speaking with Dr. Well, Edward Ludvac, yeah. Senior Associate at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Um, let's look at this from a different point of view. Before the United States became a superpower, it did not forgo the use of force or exertion of its influence. It fought against its former rulers, the British and its neighbors, such as the Canadians. And, and it also declared the Monroe Doctrine, which essentially told European countries that Latin America was America's backyard and that, you know, Europe needed to butt out. So China hasn't gotten anywhere close to telling the U.S. to leave Asia. So in light of, you, you know, U.S. history, what is so unwise in a strategic sense about China declaring its interests in the South China Sea or, or in the East? China Sea are kind of flexing its muscles a bit. What's unwise is that 
it is demanding territory from Japan, from the Philippines, from Vietnam, from Malaysia, from Indonesia now, as of a month ago, and from India, all at the same time. I mean, what's the logic of ganging up your antagonist against yourself? Why not, for example, uh, focus on the Japanese and say the Japanese are very wicked, the Japanese never apologize. Oh, for, they say that, they, although they don't. No, 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 no. Got... <laughs> you have to, you have to uh, challenge the Japanese, focus on the J- Japanese, and shut up about everybody else. Because well, but, uh, they're making concurrent demands on everybody else, and the Japanese are not, instead of being isolated, they are, they are being handed, over, handed allies all around the place and welcomed everywhere. The Prime Minister of Japan, Mr. Abe, was the guest of honor at the January annual Republic Day military parade in Delhi. In Delhi, there is the President of India, the Prime Minister of India, and Prime Minister Abe. Why do you think he was the guest? He was the guest because India was challenged just a few months ago by the intrusion of Chinese troops in Ladakh, and when the Indians asked them to withdraw, they did eventually withdraw. But first, they made some kind of bombastic announcements and some, and they're claiming a whole Indian state. Well, in, in so, your paradigm, so at at what point the should logic <laughs> of of getting the Indians and the Japanese, who are so far removed from each other, why force them into an alliance against yourself? Okay, at, at, at what point should China undertake? Um, military modernization, or be more assertive in in defending its its national security, or or in asserting its territorial claims. At what point would China be ready to do that? Well, if I were hired to be the strategic advisor <laughs> of China, which I have not been so far, and I'm very glad of their strategic incompetence. Which, by the way, it's an historic one because historically China has always outproduced everybody and has been defeated by everybody because of the same thing, which is this kind of autistic uh, failure to understand what, it's, what the impact of its actions are. But anyway, if I were hired by Mr. Xi Jinping and paid my usual fees, which are substantial, then what I would say to him is this. Um, stop building warships, because warships get the Anglo-Saxon excited. If you don't build warships, the Americans will be off your case. Warships will be of no use to you anyway, because your plan about building up from one aircraft carrier to two, to three, to four, to five, to and so on. By the time it gets to have enough aircraft carriers to have a real force, by that time, the thing called aircraft carrier will inevitably be obsolete. Okay, because, well, 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 because for, the Americans will never compete that's, with the Chinese on building aircraft carriers. Instead, they'll make them obsolete. No, no, that's very interesting. But I guess the question is, you know, let's forget about what may or may not be obsolete soon. But at what point do you think the Chinese would be ready to exert more influence in the military and, okay. and the security if realm? You, if you scrap the Chinese Navy, you give it up. <laughs> and you drop all demands for territory, then the fact that China is a huge potential or actual potential investor, that China is a huge market, that China has a very lively and dynamic and increasingly heterogeneous and international culture, would naturally, automatically make China the dominant power because all these countries around it would very eagerly go to Beijing and trade with Beijing and seek Beijing investment and trade. In other words, the way Germany is dominating Europe today, precisely because the Germans have absolutely 
threatening nobody, precisely because they they do not have military power. They dominate Europe okay. automatically now, uh, uh, and organically, and that is what China China's intelligent policy of Deng Xiaoping, peaceful rise, the policy that Zhang Bijan, Zhang Bijan described, is the way. Right, he's strategy. the scholar who 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 coined the phrase the peaceful rise. Um, right, do, right. Do, what what about so the calculation on the Chinese side that the U.S. Sorry? has been weakened, sure. that the U.S. is in relative decline? We have about 30 seconds left that if, in fact, the U.S. is weakening and China is growing stronger, shouldn't they exploit that? No, because <laughs> it doesn't make any difference, because right now it is already activated Japanese, Indians, Filipinos, and all these others, Australians, who outnumber China and outproduce China and can outtechnology China. Look, the Japanese Navy is formidable, and they spend 0.8% of their GDP. If they go to 2%, which would still be half the, you know, half the norm, they could double their Navy. So the, American, the Americans can decline for another 200 years, and it wouldn't actually solve the problem for uh, China. So, so in your view, it's, a, it's just bad strategy, it's on, the, bad on, strategy on the Chinese but as part. I say, not sophisticated bad strategy, simple-minded, elementary, childish bad strategy, repeating the same mistakes which have been made before. Okay. We've been speaking with Dr. Edward Lutvak of CSIS. Edward, thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you. This is China Takes Over the World, and I am Ying Ma.